0: and this is the Tap In Podcast. Um, we are live via Zoom, okay? We're bringing you another episode. Um, I recently got in touch with this gentleman via Instagram, and as everybody knows, I'm a big fan of, of Nipsey Hussle. and then I seen this picture on Instagram, and I said, what is this? So I tapped on it, and it was a book um, that... Nipsey Hustle, his face was on it, and then the title was The Marathon Don't Stop, The Life and Times of Nipsey Hustle. and I'm like, hold on, what is this? And then I tapped on a picture, and I seen he had a bunch of different rap artists on uh, endorsing the book, and I said, I got to get this guy on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Robert Kenner. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. I'm blessed to be tapping in with Tapped In, man. That's right. Appreciate I appreciate you, you man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So and so,
1: did you get to read
0: the book? Did you mess with the book? Man, you, like, so I'm on. Uh, I started. I bought the. As soon as I I, I got the seeing the Instagram post, I went on Amazon and bought the book right away. I'm on uh, chapter nine right now, so I'm almost oh, done okay. with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably had it about a week, so I, I'm I'm going through it like crazy. Every time I get a second, I, I at least try to read a chapter or two.
1: Wow, well, I appreciate it. Take your time with it, man. I think speed reading is overrated. I'd rather somebody absorb it than rush through it, you know. But I oh, appreciate you. No.
0: Yeah, yeah no, definitely. It, the one of the things that um that I really, I really needed for me is the the intricate details from the very beginning that I love oh. that you touch on, um, and and just about him starting. And how copy uh what was it Cuzzy Capone or Copy Capone?
1: Cuzzy, Copy Supreme, Cuzzy Capone. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I loved how you were being able to tell that story on how he got started and how he was um he was able to connect with DB, which is Dexter mm. Brown, yeah. um from the very beginning. How yeah. did you get those stories? How did you find that information out?
1: It's interesting that you mentioned and focus on that part of the book because that's you know that they say like half the story has never been told that that part of Nip's life has been completely left out of most of the the stories that have been told about him and really I don't I the reason I wrote the book is because I didn't feel his life had ever properly been you know written about you know because he he was an artist who was very independent as you know and he didn't sign to a major label till very late in his career um and so I feel like the the rap media kind of slept on him and you know when I was at Vibe magazine he came up to Vibe very late in Vibe's run like 09 was when I first met him and he you know he got his one page in Vibe which was his goal but we never got a chance to really write the in-depth stories like we would an important artist um, of his stature. So that part of Nip's uh, life, to answer your question, you know, it it actually came to me. I I had never heard of Dexter Brown. And when it was announced that I was working on a biography, um, a friend, a mutual friend of his reached out to me and said, you know, there's someone that you really need to talk to um, who was integral in, in Nip's uh, early life. And so I got in touch with Dexter that way. And, you know, he opened up so much knowledge and, you know, in the same way that he schooled uh, Nip to a lot of aspects of the game, he schooled me to a lot of aspects of Nip's life and career. Um, People like Cuzzy I was aware of because he's on the records. And so I reached out to Cuzzy. I reached, you know, this whole book was done not through like industry channels or, you know, management and publicists and people like that. This was just me reaching out to people and doing my job as a journalist and paying attention to the music, listening to the interviews. And and I got, you know, as I mentioned, I met Nip early in his career. Um, And then I also had a chance to interview him in depth around Victory Lab. Um, But, you know, I had to do my job as a journalist. You know, I'm not from South L.A. You know, I was born in California, but most of my life I've been in New York, but I was able to reach out to people and, and just approach them out of respect. And, you know, um, I was covering their story because I thought that they would want to tell their story properly. And, you know, I was very honored by all the people that trusted me enough to, you know, to speak for this book and, and, you know, tell their personal stories. And, you know, I continue to, to follow these artists because I think they're all important artists. People like Cuzzy, Jay Stone, Kaby, you know, Killa Twan, um, Pac-Man, uh, you know, BH. There was a lot of great talents that Nip had identified and, and brought around him. And I'm quite sure if he was still here, he'd be pushing their projects hard. You know, he was he was very loyal to these artists. And so, you know, I think each of them carries a little piece of that inspiration with them. And, and I, you know, I've continued to support their work and, and pay attention to their movement because, you know, the marathon really doesn't stop. And, um, you know, everybody that had a chance to work closely with him, I think they feel a responsibility to carry the mission forward. It's more than music. It's like a, a mission of self-empowerment and upliftment um, of you know your your inner circle but your whole community too and you know that's what hustle stood for and I think the people that work with him closely have that same ethic.
0: Yeah I, I, I agree. I reached out to Killer Twan early on still trying to get him on still trying to get him on the show but I think I think uh, killer twan is nice as far oh, as yeah. his ability I think he's
1: nice. And he's actually one of the very first close, like, of the artists that, you know, Nip works with. Like, as you know from reading the book, like, him and Tuan knew each other from very early school days before they even were aware that each other were doing music. And, um, yeah, he told me the story that, like, when he started hearing this guy Nipsey Hussle, you know, hearing about him, he didn't realize at first that that was Hermius the guy that he went to school with, you know, or, or or knew from, from, you know, when when he was going to school in that neighborhood. So, um, you know, Tuan and Nip go way back and um, he's got some great music coming out right now. He's in the middle of dropping a lot of projects. So, you know, stay on it. I am i wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, he's he got some music to, to promote. So I'm sure he wouldn't mind, you know, talking about that you know
0: okay okay yeah I'm definitely gonna tap in with Twan. so before before we dive too far in the book I want to get your your backstory I know you said you started with vibe yeah how, how did you um how did you get introduced to hip-hop uh, as a culture and how did you even land the job at vibe
1: Where yeah that's a, from? that's a great question so I moved to New York in the late 80s to um you know, with the ambition of being a writer and a journalist at that time, what I thought I wanted to do was be at Rolling Stone. That was all I knew like for like music journalism. And, you know, I, I did get like one job interview at Rolling Stone, but they were trying to talk to me about like other magazines that they had going on and stuff. And I, I only wanted to do music. And they were doing like men's journal and I was like, mm, I'm okay with that. But basically I was, um, I went to college for English. You know, I studied English, so I knew I was a writer. Um, that was always my ambition, but I love music. So I was working in a record shop on weekends. I was DJing in clubs, um, you know. And when I, you know, in my day job, I was working at an art magazine. So it wasn't like a music thing, but I was learning about the craft of writing and journalism and working with other writers. and you know just getting my skills up but then I heard that Quincy Jones was starting a magazine called Vibe I read about it in a trade magazine called Magazine Week it's like you know I don't know if they still publish it but at the time that was like how you knew what was going on in the industry and so I started writing letters to the guy it it said the name of the editor this guy, Jonathan Van Meter, and I started writing him a letter every week. I was like, I got to get on with vibe. And and my thing at the time, I was into hip hop, but really I was more into reggae and dancehall. That was my passion, you know. And that was the record shop I was working in it was like a Jamaican music shop, and I would DJ a lot of that music. I knew a lot of artists. And New York has a big Caribbean, you know, culture. So in New York, you would see a lot of the artists and you know artists you remember krs one just had the verses the other day yeah you know he he would he would always be hanging around the record shop and he shot a video down the block and you know his some of his young proteges you know were friends of mine so it was like a reggae and hip-hop were very close at that time especially in New York and Shinehead, people like that so anyway I pitched a story on supercat who also just had a verses last week and supercat, At that time, I just put out a big album called uh, Don Dada, which some people might remember. He had that Dolly My Baby and, you know, Puffy did an early remix, him and Biggie. So I wrote about Cap for the first issue of Vibe, and they must have liked the story um, because a year later, they just did one test issue in 92. And, you know, a year later when they launched For Real, they reached out and offered me a job. So that's, I got down with the startup team of Vibe. Quincy Jones, you know, was changing basically American culture with that magazine. Like he he had the vision that hip hop needed a publication like a Rolling Stone for rock and roll, you know, but for hip hop and, and all forms of, you know, black music and, you know, DJ music, whether it's R&B, dance music, reggae. And, you know, so I got on, with that super cat piece, but I was working on all kinds of, uh, articles in my job as, um, senior editor at vibe. And I worked with so many amazing writers and, you know, that time, 93 forward, a lot of things were going on in music, man. It was a very dynamic time in the culture. So we covered, you know, when Nas first put out his Illmatic and, you know, we did one of the first covers on Snoop and, We did, you know, the first profile of Puffy ever. And, you know, I got to work on all those stories, you know. And and I ended up being the only editor at Vibe that stayed the whole time. So I was there for 17 years. And in that time, I worked on, you know, you can imagine, like, everyone from Tupac to Barack Obama, you know, we did a lot of things in that magazine. And it's really, to me, like, a privilege to be able to, work with so many amazing writers and photographers and, you know, to cover this culture that really changed the world. And, um, you know, and like I mentioned, it was at the end of the Vibe Run, 2009, was literally the last year before the magazine folded, Nipsey Hussle came in to play his mixtape and that's when I met him. Mm,
0: okay. So Vibe, I wanna go back on Vibe because I remember as a kid, watching the Vibe or getting a magazine, reading the articles, seeing who was on the cover. Like I remember that was the Instagram of the time. Um, That is true. Yeah, it was the Vibe magazine. Man, so were you a part of the, the, the Death Row cover?
1: I worked on every issue of Vibe that ever came out. I was editing the cover stories. I was working with the writers of work, you know, I was in the room for every issue of Vibe. So, so, yes.
0: Whose whose idea was it to have the the Death Row cover all black. Whose idea was that? That was
1: brought by their publicist. By Shug I I think I honestly believe Shug had the idea. Um, but yeah, they they offered to do a cover with Dre Suge, Pac, and Snoop on one cover, and they specified that they wanted the logo to be red. They definitely said that, and they specified that they were gonna, you know, they suggested that, you know, it be presented like the poster of a Casino. You know, if you if you notice that cover is exactly like the movie poster of Casino. So that was really something that Death Row brought to us. And we were like, yeah, we're with it. And, you know, we can talk to all these artists. So Kevin Powell, my my close friend and, you know, colleague over the years at Vibe, he wrote the first cover of Vibe, the Tretch 92 that I wrote my Supercast story in. He wrote the the next, you know, launch with Snoop. He did that cover. He did so many, He did, you know, he interviewed Tupac numerous times during his career. Um, and so, you know, when, if you look back at the the Tupac covers, you know he he did that first one. You might remember when Pac was in a straight jacket. It was called, um, I think it was like, "Is Tupac crazy?" But you know that was just the cover line. But inside, was it was, the, like, um,
0: was was that the uh, the picture when when he was in laying in all gold and he had all the gold draped on him in the tub.
1: No, I think oh. that was Rolling Stone ran it. No, this was a this was just an image that um, you know he. Pac put on a straight jacket and took a, took a photo when well, the photographer put a straitjacket jacket on him. And that was actually an image that was submitted to us. We didn't do that photo shoot, but when the image came to us, I think it was actually shot for the source originally and they didn't want to use it. Okay. And it was offered to us and we were like, yeah, this is a crazy image. Because if you look at Pac's face, he's actually looking very dignified and very you know, intelligent, he's not looking crazy. But the straitjacket is on him just to show how in my interpretation, that image really speaks to how society kind of, you know, put the restrictions on him, you know, and treated him like he was crazy. Um, but anyway, yeah, so the death row cover, that concept, I believe was probably something that should dreamed up or, or, you know, his inner circle, and they they brought that idea to us visually. And, you know, we had the opportunity then to speak with all the people on that cover at a moment when there was, you know, the most important label in the the planet, you know I mean? Um, And Kevin went out there, that's a very remarkable article. If you go back and read it today, it's mind blowing. I mean, you know, think about that moment in time, like Dre is making classics, Snoop and Pac are working together. Of America's most wanted, Suge is like the most powerful and feared person in hip hop industry, and you know our reporter was right there, you know soaking it all up, and you know like one of a kind situation, and you
0: know yeah, and it's 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 um it's fascinating to see how you tied the Nipsey story, him growing up in that era, in and that that era having such an impact on his his musical career, as well. Um, it, it, it was it was crazy to see because Nip is what a couple of years younger than I am, and so He's I born know eighty
1: five. Yeah, born yeah. eighty five.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he so I remember I remember those times, um, but I wasn't in the street at those times, so it probably had a different impact on him than it did on me um how difficult was it to uh to write this this book well
1: I would definitely say it's the most challenging project I've ever taken on um and the most important I believe also because like I said earlier Nipsey Hussle's story was never properly told like he gave a lot of interviews on video um he 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 seemed to talk to just about any video journalist that showed an interest like he he always made time to do interviews in all kinds of platforms big radio stations and little round the way dvd guys like he was he was speaking directly he understood and this was something dexter brown taught him actually the power of like using video and social media to connect directly to his his fans but He didn't do a lot of like magazine profile type pieces. And so like the story hadn't really been laid out. Like, so I thought it was very important as a, you know, a professional music journalist, my, most of my life, I knew what hadn't been done for him. You know, the base, like you say, like his development, tell the whole story, not just like a Wikipedia, but really put him in context of, American history and LA history and hip hop history because he was a he nobody loved hip hop more than Nipsey Hussle like you know that's one thing i can say for sure he loved this art form so much always aspired to be a rap star even from a very young age and you know he he talked about it, like he wanted to be like Chris Cross or or Bow Wow at one point point. and funny enough the the record that a lot of people first heard from him was a flip of Crisscross beat uh, for Jump. You know, Hustle in the House is is a sample of Crisscross. So oddly enough, that Crisscross inspiration came through. Um, but yeah, it was a challenging book to put together, not least because I felt a great responsibility to get it right. You know, and um, I know how important of a figure he is. I believe he's one of the most Important and misunderstood artist in hip hop ever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think, I think, uh, to, to, and I forget what chapter it was, but you could tell that when Nipsey was evolving, his music life and his street life, like it was like a strain on him being pulled each way and him trying to navigate those street politics, but also he knew that he was evolving doing something even greater than himself with the music. And so, yeah. and I loved how you, you, you told the history of LA as well. I was It was things that I didn't even know um, as far as the, the street name, George Crenshaw and Jonathan Slauson yeah, it was a yeah, yeah. banker and wasn't was a real estate, and it was just like these are the streets that we hold on to and we try to protect with our life when they really have no uh, we have no ownership of these streets. In retrospect, yeah. yeah, I'm
1: I'm glad you picked up on that. I put a lot of L.A. history into the book because I wanted it to really come through. Like like one of the things that Nip was so focused on his ownership, right? And, you know, him and his brother were able to actually buy back the block. A lot of people rap about that concept of buy back the block, but they literally purchased the strip mall that they used to get, you know, chased out of for for hustling. and And, and it's like such a powerful story to understand that. And, you know, even until now, people that were affiliated with NIP are still, you know, committed to like creating more ownership for the residents of South LA, the, the gentleman, David A. Gross, who helped the financing to, to do that deal on the strip mall. He has a, a fund called own our own. And I think it's important for your audience to be aware of that. They He's still doing things that are very important and, I encourage people to check out own our own It's basically a concept called crowdfunding where even if, you know, normally to participate in a big real estate deal, you have to have a lot of cash to, to play in that field. But David A. Gross has put a lot of effort into making it more accessible. So if you want to even just invest one thousand dollars which is not a small amount of money but it's a lot less than normally would be required to invest in a big real estate fund uh it is possible to do that through own our own so i I encourage people to check that out um if if you want to get involved in like ownership and you know building generational wealth and all the things that nip spoke on in his music it is possible to do
0: yeah how long, how long did it take you to, to write this book?
1: Uh, it was an intense period of about three years, um, basically from the time that, you know, I, like the moment I knew I had to write the book was the, the Victory Lab interview, you know? And when I spoke with Nip for over an hour, um, it was such a mind blowing conversation and, you know, our our assignment was to make like a five minute YouTube video out of that. You know, I was like, how are you possibly going to do justice to this conversation that way? So, you know, that, that video did come out. We we cut it down and it's a cool video. But I was like, there's so much more that needs to be done here. But in another sense, I, I think I've been preparing for it my whole career. You know, a lot of the things that I learned working in Vibe went into this book. And certainly my first meeting with Nip. In oh nine you know that was like eleven years before the book came out eleven twelve years so you know I've been working on it in a sense for a long time, but the intense period of putting it together was you know about a three year process
0: wow have you uh have you got to spoke um have you spoken to uh black sam
1: yeah yeah he 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 was interviewed you know there's quotes from him in the book and also um uh samantha and sister as well
0: yeah black sam doesn't come out a lot i'm i'm um i haven't i've been reaching out to a bunch of different people and i haven't had anybody who's whoever just has direct contact with black sam he seemed like and i i I understand he kind of just wants to just get away and just do his his thing but um And one thing that I I really wanted to know is I know Nip always talked about how he went to jail and and I always wanted to know, like, what was Black Sam doing that he went to jail? Like, what could he have been doing? But finding out from the book, like he was an immaculate hustler, businessman, whatever word you want to put on it. But Black Sam was a hustler by every sense of the word. And remains so. He's
1: he's carrying forward that mission, you know, the the marathon clothing and marathon cultivation. There's so many businesses that Sam is still keeping going. But, you know, he was also a big inspiration to to Nip and and you know, I think had a, a big influence over him to, you know, keep on the right path in life, you know, because obviously you know, as you mentioned, like, there was a period in, in Nipsey Hussle's career where he was, you know, pulled in two directions and his brother didn't want to see him go the wrong way, you know, and, and he was very clear about that and, you know, he was showing him a way to make money by hard work and determination and, you know, I think that that was a big impact. He he talked about it all the time. There's, there's records. If you go listen to, like, um, I don't stress out, you know, that record, he, he says, you know, Black Sam says, poke your chest out, you know, and is those, those words of encouragement and and not even words, but actions, you know, that, you know, um, Nipsey often said, I prefer demonstration over conversation and Black Sam is a man of action. So I was very privileged and honored that he spoke with me. Um, and yeah, his words are, you know, very powerful in the book and um you know we've all heard the tribute that he gave at the Staples Center as well you know he he's he chooses to speak when he chooses to speak and you know it's a great honor to have had a conversation with him.
0: Okay what other um I, I read I don't know on the sleeve that you wrote a bunch of different books on um hip hop hip hop icons what is it um let me ask you this first: What did you learn? Did you learn anything new um, about Nipsey in in doing this book?
1: Oh, oh so, so many, many things! things. I, I it was a profound learning experience. The whole process of doing the book. First of all, like I mentioned, the the whole conversation with Dexter Brown blew my mind, and and understanding, you know, the real journey that that Aramis you know, went on, you know, how long he had it in mind to become a successful artist and and support himself and his family in that way. Um, One of the most mind-blowing conversations I had was with um, his his high school classmate, Rallo Stiles, who is a producer that's credited on Victory Lap, and you know many other projects, Crenshaw, you know he, he made a lot of beats because you know he and Nip went to high school together and um, you know worked closely throughout hustle's career. but when he told me his story of the the record that they made together, which found its way, this was before he was even named Nipsey Hustle by the way, he was rapping under the name Concept at the time and concept is on a record with Rallo Styles and another artist from LA they made this song which found its way to Athene Shakur and Athene Shakur hears this song and says she's heard something and said I need these young men to fly to Atlanta and perform at a record launch event for Tupac you know uh, the album Better Days which was Released after Pac's passing, if uh, any, you know, actually reached out and you know rode in a in a van from the airport to Stone Mountain where the event was going to be, and held a conversation with Young Nipsey Hussle. Like you know, you can't make this stuff up. You know, like the destiny that connected him to you know the the woman that you know was obviously more than just. Tupac's mom, she was an icon in the civil rights movement. She was, you know, a member of the Black Panther Party and, you know, and even in the van ride from the airport, you know, Pac's um, stepfather, Matulu, calls up from behind bars and is having a conversation with him, like, you can't make these things up, you know, Um, and then he goes on to say, I'm the Tupac of my generation, there was a lot behind that and people didn't know until, you know, I was able to have that conversation with Rallo and put it together. And, you know, so when you have an opportunity to tell a story this important, you know it's a great responsibility to get it right. And that's why I took the time that I did and, and, you know, really pushed myself hard to keep digging and keep reaching out to people and learn as much as I could. Because, you know, you could do, you know you could tell a story you know, the story is interesting, even if you just read his Wikipedia page, right? That's, you know, the facts of Nipsey Hussle's life are amazing. They're like, it's hard to believe that a real person actually lived the life that he lived and accomplished the things he did. It, it sounds like a myth. It sounds like a, a heroic myth from some storybook, but he's a real human being and he really overcame those obstacles and you know, refused to buckle under the pressure that, that he felt his whole life, you know, so it was important to me to go beyond just what is known on the surface and really show the full depth of this incredible human being. And, and I think the book, you know, I'm, I'm sure this will not be the only book or, you know, project written uh, or produced about Nip, but, you know, I'm I'm happy that people have Read it and you know, having conversations with people like you, if you're getting something from it. And you know, the reviews have been great. Um, to get Quincy Jones to co sign the project was huge to me. Quest Love and Torre, and all you know, many of my journalistic peers that have you know read the book and given me the thumbs up, it means a lot to me, you know. And um, every day in my Instagram, just like we got in touch, you know, people are DMing me their personal experiences of reading the book, people said that they might've read it during a difficult time in their life and got some inspiration or shed a tear or whatever it is, you know, it, it means a lot because, you know, writing a book is a marathon and um, it's hard work. And I'm just happy that people have embraced the book and, you know, seem to really like it. And, you know, there, there will be a new edition actually coming out next year, a paperback um, in March. This is the first time I'm talking about it, so a little scoop for you. Um, Yeah, it'll be like an updated um, paperback edition coming in March, so you know, keep an eye out for that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, yeah, man, it was, this is a great book. Those intricate stories that only the people who were there know was great. I love the cover of it. The, the cover is is it almost feels like his face is jumping off of the cover so I love the book um what other books are you working on can you can you give us that
1: I can't talk about anything I'm honestly I I have a few proposals that I'm working on but until they're a little more you know they're still in the kitchen so I can't really you know put them on the menu yet but but you know, I'm still very focused on, on, you know, getting the word out about the marathon don't stop. And, um, but yeah, I definitely have other, other projects in mind and a couple of proposals that I'm working on right now. You know, I've been a journalist for most of my life. So I have a lot of ideas and stories I like to do. and, And people sometimes hit me up, suggesting things that they'd like to see me do. I, uh, you know, like I said before, it was three years intense work to put this book together. So if I choose to to focus on a project, I have to like basically block out a lot of other things and just go in deep on that. So I'll definitely, um, you know, do this project justice before I start, you know, focusing on, on another thing, because th- this one is very important to me. Like I said, it's the hardest and most rewarding thing I've ever tried to do. And, um, you know, I'm very, very humbled by the response that that I've seen from this book. You know, people really love Nipsey Hussle and I knew that going in, but I really know it now. Like, you know, from universities to, you know, people contacting me from behind bars, like people in Africa, people in Japan, you know, England, the whole world has tapped in. Um and we're tapped in right now. So,
0: That's right. That's yeah. right. Man, well Rob, thank you so much. Um everybody go get the book. It is available now on Amazon.com, right?
1: Yeah, and Barnes and Noble and, or, or your local bookstore, you know, don't forget mom and pop shop, you know, support them. Right. You know, but um yeah, look just if you can get your hands on it, um, that hardcover is not going to be any more of them printed. So you know, if you if you got that hardcover, you got a first edition. So you know, that might be a collector's item at some point. So
0: absolutely, I would love to get you to sign this one. Oh, I got you, one hundred percent. Okay, we'll, absolutely. We'll figure well, it out. So my... you're you're in Dallas, right? Yes, sir.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know when I'm going to be in Dallas, but if you're in New York, we could make that happen or uh you know we could do something in the mail. Uh we'll definitely keep in touch though. So.
0: Absolutely, man. Robert, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Matter of fact, I want to ask you this. Are sure, you related sure. to uh are you related to David Kenner? No, that's
1: funny you asked that. <laughs> okay. Um I have no relation to David Kenner, but um there's some other Kenners in the music business too. And uh, as far as I know, I'm not related to any of them. Okay, um, okay. There's a group that Easy E had. Um, HWA, if you know about that group, and two of the girls in that group have the name Kenner. I'm not related to them either. And um, there's a documentary filmmaker named Rob Kenner that's not me, but I also make documentaries. I don't know. But yeah, David Kenner is an interesting character. Um, I've never spoken with him, but um, I'm pretty sure we're not, we're not family.
0: Okay. All right. yeah. Well, yeah, man. Thank you for tapping in with us, Rob. We appreciate it. Oh, uh, make sure y'all go get the book. The book is, is a great story. Um, even if, if you're not a fan of Nip, if you are a fan of Nip, the details of the story are just fabulous and great. And it, it just gives a detailed life of the um of Nipsey Hustle. So I appreciate you, Rob.
1: No doubt. I appreciate this conversation. And, you know, I, one more thing I want to tell you, you know, you're a fan and you, you know, the city and, and you understand the you know, the meaning behind a lot of the details in the book. But one of the things that I'm most happy about is the people that had no idea about this man that have just picked up the book and come away with a greater respect for him and greater understanding of why he is important. And, I think that's the reason that I do what I do is like to shine a light on people that are not properly respected and appreciated, you know, because obviously a lot of love is there for hustle, but there's also a lot of people that were completely unaware of his movement. And that's why I wrote the marathon don't stop. And I'm happy that this book is contributing to a greater understanding of why he was important. and remains important.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, the Marathon Don't Stop, the Life and Times of Nissy Hustle is available now when you buy books. Yo, man, thank y'all for tapping in. This has been the Tap In Podcast. All
1: right. Much respect.